Happy Saturday, guys, and welcome to our SEMA Review Podcast. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. The 1974 Volkswagen, covered by VW Motors Security Blanket. I'd like to welcome George to the studio. Thanks for having me, Bill. Well, you know, since you are the co-host sometimes, I will have you on the podcast. George, George is all giddy like a, like just kind of a simple village idiot. That's it. And uh, we're just here today to talk about the SEMA review, some of the stuff that we saw, and the sights and sounds of SEMA. I know everybody's doing a SEMA review podcast, and everybody thinks it's cheesy, but you know what? That's what I'm doing because that's what we did this week. And our mission when we got there, at least my mission when I got there, was to try to photograph every VW that was there. I tried, I missed a couple, what are you gonna do? So sue me, but before we get into that, we're gonna give you guys, for those of you that don't know what SEAM is, there may be some of you out there that do not know what SEAM is. S-E-M-A stands for the Specialty Equipment Market Association. That is the aftermarket industry association for anything automotive. Um, It's continued to expand over the years. It started in the early 60s and the original purpose of this was to get together uh, the automotive brands. It was more like an aftermarket convention. And over time, in the 70s, as more uh, government regulations started to step in, it created an association for automotive aftermarket manufacturers to band together to keep the industry from being shut down by automotive manufacturers that didn't like the aftermarket accessibility. So because of SEMA and their having lobbyists that go protect the enthusiasts rights, what we're able to do is they will keep, uh, keep it legal for us to modify and customize our vehicles. So SEMA is a great organization that's got a a real good purpose and it's, uh, it's definitely something that has bolstered the aftermarket industry, but the SEMA show in Las Vegas has come to be known as like the world's greatest car show for those of you that have never been it is what i would refer to as complete total sensory overload like you walk out i don't care how cool your car is when you leave the sima show you're just going to walk up to it kick in the door and put a for sale sign in the windshield because the cars over there are so incredible it's out of the world of comprehension some of the stuff that you see and probably if you've never been there before my boy Keone from Hawaii came down, and his son came down with him. It was the first time his son had been there, and he was just like, remember when we ran yeah. into him, he was like, oh, my gosh, my son's just like his eyes are exploding out of his head because you see the baddest of the bad, the newest of the new, and the latest and greatest of everything. So um, a little bit of my personal history, um, when I started, first time I went to SEMA, First time I went, I had no badge, and I was just trying to see how far I could fake it till I made it and wandering through until they escorted me off the property. But uh, a lot of times I'd be able to sneak through that front parking lot and roam around. Not a lot of people giving you some hassles, but you'd see those doors closing. You're like, I want to get inside there. So probably a year or so later, I ended up getting a badge from a friend of mine or borrowing a badge or uh, scammed a badge somewhere. Well, we used to come up with all kinds of hijinks to try to figure out how to get in a SEMA because being here in Las Vegas and this massive car show going on, um, it's just – it's just the place that you have to be, especially if you're local. I mean, not going to an if event. If you're not like a move enthusiast. Yeah. Well, if you're, well, we're not even, we're not talking to anybody other than that. Um, but uh, it's just one of those things where you've got to go. And so for years and years, that show, that show is actually second to me. First, I used to go to the CES show, Consumer Electronics Show. And that was back in the day when, you know, in the probably late 90s when they'd have all kinds of, 
I mean, you'd go there and they would just have every car audio manufacturer just be lined up and you just have the baddest cars, the boominess systems and all kinds of stuff. And we would, uh, just really the, originally when you went there, I think the goal was like, go through and get free swag, free stickers, free keychains, yeah. And you're out of there with like a shopping bag full of stuff that today, as we get older, like you just, <laughs> yeah. you don't really need like it's clutter before we started the podcast, George and I spent probably 10 minutes just putting stickers on. I've, I've got a pile of stickers that I've been meaning to just get my desk cleared off and cover this whole glass table with stickers to dampen the sound, but also make the desk look a little cooler. And uh, we probably spent 10 minutes just putting stickers on here that I've had piled up that I've been waiting to put on there. But that's part of the fun of SEMA, right? Going and getting stickers and all getting that kind swag. of stuff. Yeah. It was the same when we used to go back in the day to like the, the uh, snowboard convention, snowboard convention yeah. right? You just run through there and get all the free snowboard stickers and all that stuff that you want. So um, this year, SEMA had the new West Hall open. The West Hall square Built footage. by Sean McClellan. Yeah, the West Hall was just the, the, the just gigantic. Um we went there. There's there's so many layers to this thing, George. What was your what well? The was cool your thing take? about that West Hall also is the fact they had for the first time the Overland Experience, which is becoming very popular in the automotive industry right now. Um, even some VW guys are doing that with their Vanigans and whatnot, right? With Subi conversions, making them Overlander vehicles. For those of you who don't know, that's like someone who's going to go out camping and not at a campsite. They're going to take it out far, far into open country, and they camp where they stop. And uh, that was a really big part of it this year. Yeah, the Overlander thing to me is, it's kind of cool. Jamie, there's a guy, Jamie uh, Wiseman, that I follow on Instagram, that he's in the south somewhere over there, and he's got a pretty dope Overland bug. The Class 11, uh, it's like a Class 11 meets Mad Max meets like full utilitarian vehicle, and his is EFI. Uh, it's got EFI, it's got air conditioning, it's got everything done to it, and it's all decked decked out for overlanding. So it, it's a huge segment of the market that's coming yeah. to be popular. Um, me, got I, it. I mean, it lends itself so, so much to the aftermarket industry because what you're doing, like awnings, compressors, all these things that you're adding to a vehicle that normally doesn't come with. Yeah, so, so with, with that being said, the Volkswagen platform has been in just about every segment of the VW or of the aftermarket scene. And I think yeah. it, it plays itself into every aspect from overlanding to street cars, to drag cars, to, um, you know, to show cars, uh, off-road cars. I mean, every aspect. Uh, and to boot this year, so SEMA had a lot of special, uh, different special exhibits this year. Some of those exhibits were the, uh, the Snore or the Baja 1000 display. So, yeah. There was an entire section. A bunch of Manxes and Yeah, it's at over, over 50 and... legendary off-road vehicles that score Baja 1000 experience at 2021 SEMA. I don't know. if Would you say there's 50 cars there? I don't know if it was 50. I think they might have been spread out throughout the entire thing. But in that uh, one area where no, we were at. just in, the, in that Baja 1000 experience. And, I'd say there's probably 25 cars there, <clears> maybe. Well, what's interesting is I think because of the whole COVID thing, there were probably some people that were going to come out but didn't maybe didn't come out or whatever the case was. But uh there were some heavy hitters out there that were not there because of covid i'm sure yeah there, well there was a lot of manufacturers that were missing yeah. this year because of covid well i'm, I'm sure this I'm was assuming... the roomiest sema ever where you could walk around and it wasn't like sometimes when you go to sema you're literally like in a herd of people and it's so annoying to walk around yeah it was nice because the aisles were kind of clear you didn't have to wait forever to take a picture of a car because there weren't as many people because they also open up a million more square feet in the west hall helped mm -hmm. out by letting it spread out 
but I also think attendance was probably down because of COVID-19 restrictions, international travel, things of that nature. Um, but in respect to the convention center with, well, what was, where was that? What was I talking about? Lost my train of thought. Was it good? You started talking about the convention center, but I was talking about the the Volkswagen having a platform that's used in every type, every segment of the automotive industry. Yeah. And one of the things that what I was doing when I was talking to some manufacturers when we were there is talking to them about a huge oppor- a huge opportunity in the market that they're missing by not not marketing to that segment of the market. And sometimes every year when you go to the SEMA show, there are plenty of Volkswagens there. Uh, you know, you saw there probably were at least 20, 25 Volkswagens on display on the SEMA show floor. I'd say the numbers have been going up the last few years. Well, throughout various different segments, but it's, but it's always, there's always been lots of Volkswagens. But my point was in every aspect of the automotive aftermarket, the Volkswagen is, it has a platform there. And we had a, George and I had a couple of meetings with some, some of the manufacturers about doing some stuff specifically for Volkswagens that we're going to be in the works on. And hopefully these things will come out in the next year. And I think everybody would be pretty stoked to see some of these things that we're trying to work with some manufacturers on. We did definitely stop and connect with some suppliers here and there. Got to chat with some people. One of the first guys uh, that we saw was Zintechnique, I think it was. And this this particular individual, um, this guy has some data logging equipment. and um, I think it was Zyntology. Was was Scientology? Well, I have uh, my my purpose for going there is he had so this guy had some surface mount gauges for the for the, the first thing that caught my eye he had a double, yeah, double cab he had a double story, cab yeah. in the booth right so his double cab in the booth got my attention so I said oh well, let's go check this guy and just kind of fairly stock sixty six looking double cab stock height all that stuff but in the back he had a twenty four I think it said twenty four thirty eight on that sheet it was ninety four by eighty. 89 or something like that it was it was a way bigger crank than i've ever heard of getting stuck into a motor so i don't know if that was accurate i could be wrong though so it's it's z-tronics z-tronics z-e-i-t-r-o-n-i-x z-tronics now i want you guys if you guys are looking for something for your vehicle um that's definitely going to make a difference z-tronics the guy over at z-tronics makes these uh he makes the sensors that go in your exhaust, the O2 sensors, so you can check your fuel air ratio. A wide end, wide oh. band air fuel ratio gauge is correct. What it is. So he makes that, but not only does he make that, he makes that that couples with a gauge that goes on your dash. It's like a surface mount Velcro gauge. It's super slick. It's a real compact unit where you could really check your fuel air ratio on the go, like, and be able to tune your car and those types of things. And it's a fairly affordable system. I think it's a couple hundred bucks. We did a little interview with him. I'm going to get him on the podcast so we can do a little in-depth in respect to some of the information that he has. And he uses some CAN bus technology, which is like the telephone cord. So what he does is, is the expensive cords that go between the brain and the sensor itself, he shortens those. And then he has a long uh, CAN bus cable. And the CAN bus cable is where all the data comes through. So he has the... Uh, he, he has the uh, the CAN bus set up to where this particular box that he plugs into has multiple outputs on it that can do a lot of different things. And one of the things that we saw that he had that was super great is he had the individual c- cylinder head temperature. Under gauges. the spark plug head temp 
sensors. Yeah. So and, you basically and, would put on like a washer and then put your spark plug on, and it's going to take that reading from right the spark plug as a head temp sensor. Yeah, and what I liked about that setup is it's like you just take the you take the spark plugs out, you put this ring on there, and you tighten it back down, and now you have each individual, and he has a, he's got a data logger with that as well, so that you can see real time on your dash what your each cylinder head temperature is, and no holes to drill. No. Um, no, no modification. No machining. Yeah, putting you, bungs in. You plug everything. You, you plug everything into this box, and then you run a, a data logging cable up to the front. I think that setup was like four. So you might be like four, four to six hundred bucks, but you're able to get your O2, your your wideband sensor, and you're able to get individual cylinder head temperature. So you could make sure that, especially for like these long haul guys that are doing long trips. I mean, that's going to be your first notification that you've got something going on because yeah. i bet if i had that on my bug last night when i was driving i'd be able to tell what cylinder is getting hotter than the yeah, other which one's having a problem and it would kind of pinpoint what he also said is. that his will will support up to four o twos if you wanted to one on each individual so i'm sure that he multiples if you wanted to go even further than that if you had a six cylinder but for the vw he said he can also do it to where there's a o2 outlet on each individual cylinder which would be pretty cool yeah so he's and, and this is this is all made in america product and I really, I really try to get people to support American-made stuff. He's Polish-born and came here to the states, an electronic, uh, electronic engineering degree. He's a shredder, like the dude likes to play guitar. Came here to build guitars and all kind of stuff, and ends up, uh, you know, starting to design these boards and computer systems that are able to monitor, uh, you know, vehicle performance. So we had a real good talk with him, and we're going to debut some of his product here and maybe come up with a little package, like a VW package that he could sell directly that we'd advertise here for him on Let's Talk Dubs that you guys could buy, call up and say, hey, we want that Let's Talk Dubs kit for our uh, for my Volkswagen. They'll send you a complete kit so you can do your individual cylinder head temperature and also your fuel air ratio. Um, but the, 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 the box that he has, you can expand into a ton of different other things. So it's really, uh, you know, the, the, the small electronic control module that does multiple things and you can program it's it's fully programmable that goes super deep so that was a cool cool little conversation that we had with with him but let's talk about volkswagens what were some of the standout vws to you that you <clears throat> saw at the sema show so second year in a row ken diggett's coming with vw stuff right oh i should say second sema in a row because 2020 was canceled but second sema in a row so this year we had Ken Diggett out there with a head and a barn door you built. Um, obviously, MP had a pause. Let's talk about those cars. So you haven't seen the show. We I talked about seen seeing the, the show. I had everybody text me that day when and it was on, I but told I didn't watch you, it. And I told you to watch because we talked about watching that. And I, I did my homework because we talked in a podcast about watching that and then watching the the celebrity build a bus for your buddy thing or Tony whatever Hawk. it was. Yeah, it was uh, his assistant. Correct. So we, we looked at that. I've watched both those both of those things and uh oh i gotta change the guards over here so we watched both of those and the one with the head mueller um at first so first i didn't see the episode my boy ryan cornell hits me up he's like bro did you see that episode of of can dig it tonight i can't believe they put an automatic transmission in the head i didn't hear anything about anything and then it, all he told me was like yeah they put an automatic transmission in the head clean work but you know i don't get it automatic in the head whatever so now I'm a little bit of a changed man, right? Ever since buying, since I got Future Shock, and I, and I drove since it you once. Felt or twice. the auto, like the automatic. I thought this is pretty slick. You know, I, I always had just weird misconceptions about the automatic. Then I sit down and watch the. I watched the program, and it was a it was a gal, and and they cut back to when Ken Dig and those guys were at the LA Auto Show, and Pip and those guys were down there, and they had a Heb, and then 
they played up the whole like I hate Volkswagen. His his buddy Kev Dog hates Volkswagens and he likes Volkswagens and whatever whatever. They're going back and forth. This lady calls up clearly someone that's very wealthy. Yeah. Because the two cars they built were a super early twenty three window bus. Yeah, barn door. Barn door and a very expensive Heb Mueller. So to begin with, both of those cars to purchase those products to start those jobs had to be close to a hundred thousand dollars at least, if yeah, not to more. Get the body to start if with. not more, to buy both those starter projects, you're a hundred grand. The quality of workmanship on these cars was super nice. Me, I'm not a like I'm not a stock Nazi guy. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be original. I don't care which way that screw head's turned. Like I looked at the car. Phenomenal work. I wouldn't want to own either one of them because they're black and it would be a nightmare and they'd look terrible after two weeks of me owning them. But they were really done to a super high level. Super high level. Like when you look down the sides, Mm -hmm. flat as a board on both sides. Super, super clean cars. I mean, uh, you know, full props to Kindig and those guys for doing really, really, I mean, high level work because. You know, people think that the VW world doesn't have high-level cars, and we obviously know there's tons and tons yeah. of high-level stuff coming out there. Now, is it high-level to the point where would it stand up against some of the other builds that we see that are high-level here, like some of the other detail? We'll see. I mean, Buddy's building that turmoil. When that comes out for Grand National, that's going for a Sloniker, and that car is that car. Ridiculous. I don't know if anybody's going to, because I've already seen a bunch of that car. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to do the the custom fab stuff that's been done to that car in the level of. You're talking about in the VW world? Yeah, in the yeah. VW world. The customers. Well, that car's on. Or who's going to have a customer with the pocket that's going to fund that? It's, but it's also. not even that. It's not even that. What I'm saying is like, there's 50 million people that are affording it in the V8 world. It's just turning to VWs because the guys are getting that age bracket and they've got the disposable income to do it. But. Um, the work that went into both of Ken Diggs' cars was super nice. I just hated both sets of wheels on oh. both those cars. They're just awful. But they're, Dave they're Kindig. A, they're a VW wheel that's trying. It's, it's a modern 17-inch that you would have seen on, like, the last 18 or 19 Beetle that was released. And it's a throwback to the 60s slotted smoothies. And just not a fan of them at all. My buddy Audi Dave has been sending me those for years. Like, you should put this on a VW. And I'm like, they're horrible. Awful. They're horrible so awful. Wheels. And, and that that, car, their tire selection, like, yeah, and that car balloons. Like, yeah, that car balloons had, on front and back. But back to my point that I'm making. My point that I'm making is that his Dave Kindig has his style. Yeah. And his style is for specifically like a hot rod world. So he's got a heavy hot rod influence in what he does. And I'm sure that's what that was all about. I did not like the wheels at all. And the, here's the tough thing. No VW guys are going to like those because the VW guys are gonna like, oh, they should put Fuchs on it. But I think Fuchs, are, I'm like so worn out on seeing Fuchs. It makes me crazy. With you. And, uh, you know, I think wheel selection really does a big deal in those cars. And, and that car just, they're, they're not terrible looking. No. I'd drive either one of those cars. Yeah. I wouldn't hesitate. I'd be super excited to drive the Heb with the automatic because that's, I mean, that that that's a super easy cruising car, man. Because the Heb, you're, you're trying to race around in a Heb, bro. You're just trying to cruise your Heb. And I tell you right now, I think the automatic, I got no hate in the game for that automatic, dude. I think it's cool. I think for what Dave Kindig does, more power to him, more power to the people that bought it to build the car that the way that they wanted it. She wants a Heb and she wants an automatic. And anybody that's a hater can go work hard, make the money, and buy their own and do whatever they want with it. They can it. have Ken Diggett build them a manual. Well, head. no, they could, they, they could build their own manual one or whatever the case is. But 
I think it's stupid when people start getting all crazy, like, oh yeah, they ruined this and they did that. And Nothing I saw, was ruined about either. There was one some of those post, cars. yeah, some some post recently online where it was like, uh, oh look at the shifters wrong. It's an automatic, so they try to make the automatic shifter look, look like, like a, shifter a manual probably, shifter. Yeah. yeah, so there's all kinds of stupid comments yeah. about it on Facebook, and I'm just looking at these people like, who are they crying to? Like, you know, I had this discussion with uh, uh, or, or or the purists. Purists, in my in my opinion, ruined the. Ruin the scene. It's not even no because because all the vintage, all the guys that are into like early, like you know your uh, 11G man. I got my 11G or I got my uh, my. I, I'm into oh, early buses or I'm into whatever. Right, all these people are are so everybody's become an expert at this is correct, that's not correct, and these these are guys that aren't even like into stock stuff. You know, like 100 percent stock stuff. But you know, it's always interesting just to see the angle these people take and now everybody's become a critic everybody has become an expert but really you just got to block those people just out can they get have like a, like a website you can follow like look at the build of that car do they have that kind of stuff i'm sure that, no they have a gallery on their website because i'm curious on, with the problems that buddy ran into with the poor craftsmanship that was delivered from heb itself and not the car no, i wonder how they dealt with this that. whole this car the pan in, in the episode where they did this car the pan was welded to the body like somebody did some did, done some body work, um, so it was a gem. It, it was a piece of crap. Yeah, they yeah. they replaced the whole bottom section of the car. So I mean, what you? I'm it, just curious if like you this, know the back hatch area, like like you saw some of those pictures that Buddy was putting up when they were doing uh, Elliot Van Seals Heb, like the poor craftsmanship that Heb itself put into them. You know, like everything was very low well, low not, end. It's not low end. It's just it's a different technology that they had yeah. back then. I mean, pretty low end. Well, no, not compared to back then. These are all just backyard coach builders. You know what I mean? So it's like, what are you expecting from those guys? But if you watch the episode, we're getting we're getting too far into this car. But if you watch the episode, there's lots of detail. And we'll probably do a follow-up podcast where we might go over some of this stuff. But there was a lot of work put into that. And I like the style with it. There was the uh, moving on to other VWs that were there. There was a, there was a Harlequin uh, GT. I think that's a GTI that. Uh, yeah. The rotiform wheels, uh, specially made those wheels that were on that vehicle just for it. They were a different. It was like a grid pattern, very '80s looking. The, was there a placard that said they special made those wheels just for that car? No, it was a post rotiform put up on it. Oh, really? They said a vision comes to reality, and they built those wheels for that car. See, and that's rad. And one of our boys works for rotiform now, uh, Frankie Newman. And yeah. you know, the the cool part is like when when when. That's the biggest thing that's missing in the automotive aftermarket is like they need to hire more enthusiasts yeah. instead of like break molds, you know, oh, this guy's got a degree in marketing and blah, blah, blah. But and that's why a lot of these companies just miss the mark when it comes to getting stuff produced that people want to see. But like that, that Harlequin, the Harlequin was real. It was super cool. I'm not in, I'm not into those cars, but I really liked it. I, I dug the, the design. These were all in the Hoonigan booth. Right. Yeah. So there was that. And there was this other, uh, I don't know what it was, R32 or GT, GTR or something. I don't know what it was, but it was freaking dope. It was a white. You guys will see it on the video. If you look it's at that. No, if you look at the video that I had, there's. Oh, the wide. I had that wide body. There's a wide a body angle. golf that's on there, and it's yeah. freaking gangster. Another That'd one, be a GTI because it's two-door. <clears throat> yeah, another another one with a set of rotiforms on it. So rotiform had wheels on everything in the Hoonigan booth. Rotiforms just really stepped it up, and I think if you reach out to these guys, they'll make you just about any wheel that you want. They will and, make you whatever you want, and they don't do five on two or five, but they will do because I contacted them. Nobody needs about to do wheels. Hey, all you guys doing five on two and five? Just set them in the trash. It's about 
$4,000 to have a set of uh, Rotiform three-piece wheels. That's probably the bottom of it, and it goes up from there depending on offset and the size and everything like that. So, But, I mean, Iozio wheels are about 4Gs. Those Grecken Hertz that I got on Joseph's car, they were about 4Gs, so... Well, but I'm sure these wheels aren't three piece that are on this road that are on this uh, on this other car. They're not so, three piece. Those are a single. Correct. Those are like so a that's cast a that's wheel. a monoblock wheel, most likely that they made specifically for that car. Is it? But if it's in At production, any rate, reach out to Rotoform guys. Wake up. Do something different with your wheels because all these guys with the same five stupid wheels on your car. Like, like, like I know you guys are chasing a dream that you saw somewhere. Somebody, somebody else was driving. Do something different, man. Switch it up. I got no hate for anybody that does something different. Um, you know, just do, do, there's plenty of opportunities out there to, to, to go with different wheels. So props to this guy with the GTI props, to the wide body GTI, but all these cars were in the Hoonigan booth. Uh, there was even a Toreg in there that was all decked out. So Hoonigan had some rides out there. Um, other Volkswagens we saw Jason Stratton had his bus out there. In, I, think he had, he, I think he brought two buses cause he had one in the Dynabraid which is like a polishing compound one that was half restored, half not. Right. And I believe he had another one in the SATA booth. I'm almost positive he brought two vehicles with him. Yeah, I don't know. I could be incorrect about that, though. But, uh, yeah, I didn't see any pictures of, of another bus, but there was there was no shortages of buses out there. And obviously he had MP on display. So MP actually had a pretty big booth inside the central hall, which was kind of cool. And obviously Pip's, Pip's barn door build was there, which was killing it. Yeah, Jason's car was there on display again. So, um, is that Nightmare Fifty? Yep, that's yeah. his. That's his bus that he's never driven. So, for uh, real? Yeah. So that's. Uh, <laughs> Are you serious? So that's how's that possible? Because it's been going from show to show to show. I think so. Hmm. Uh, and also, JC introduced the, uh, the. I think it's a BDG. They're billet car bears that JC's coming out with through MP. What's BDG stand for? I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if I'm correct on those. Is it a big the, damn carb? The, is that what that is? That'd be a C. I, I, I'm not sure about the lettering, but um, that, that seemed to be a pretty big deal to people. Yeah. So I don't run 48 so much, so I don't. Well, so they had the, they, they had those carbs set up. They were the performance and street carb, they call it here. It's the it's the B, BGD billet okay. carburetor. So it's going to MSRP for seventeen ninety five. I don't know if that's a piece or a pair, um, but it I'm says. I assume that's a piece. It says the BDG carb is built from blocks of T6061, T6 aluminum, utilizing our in-house CAD design team uh, machine. Key features include large float bowl, profiled throttle shaft, sealed bearing shaft, innovative billet booster, velocity stacks, jet deflectors, and include black oxide hardware. Hardware available in three sizes, 48, 52, and 58 millimeters. So that's a big carb. Yeah, that's a big carb for some of the big I boys. If, I didn't hear it said uh, additional idle circuits. So I wonder if it's. I don't it know. says they're for the street. It doesn't say it. And what it does say is it does say that they're 17.5. Now, I would. Uh, that's probably a carb. I, I would assume it's a pair. You can assume so, that. I think you're going to assume wrong. I think that's probably per carb because if no you also way. saw the head down, nope. that six thing no. manifold. It can't. It can't be seventeen ninety five for one carb. You lost your ever loving mind. Thirty. Okay, okay, so we're just gonna say so. It's gonna be thirty five hundred dollars for a set of carbs. No manifolds. No nothing for years. I, I mean, I think I could be wrong. Me mm-hmm. personally, I think I'm that's, not an dealer. I don't know. I think it's pushing it, pushing it out of the market. But either way, um, what have a set of Italian IDAs cost nowadays? Thousand bucks. They're thousand bucks used. If you yeah. found some new NOS ones, like as soon as these came out, if I think it was Sled VW put up a set of Spanish ones in the box never used, 
that he was trying to get seventeen hundred bucks for. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, their their brand new carbs never been used, but either way, um, other VWs that were there were. Uh, there was plenty. There was no shortage of water cooled stuff. I mean, there was What's that one oval Vegas oval or yeah, Vegas oval's up there rolling up Vegas in my hood in again, California dude. He's duster. up there, California car duster with his bus. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, his bug. And uh, he had that on display over there in the California car duster booth. And there were several cars that were like we said earlier in the Baja 1000 section. Um, the lots- Baja 1000 had a lot of Manxes, a lot of real ones. Like uh, one was actually signed by. Uh, yeah, it had to, well, it, it actually had Old Red, which is the original Manx that was there, the first one that has the actual old oxygen tanks on the front and sides for extra fuel for when Bruce planned to do his ride from uh, from Tijuana to La Paz. You, that's the first Manx ever. That built. is that is Old Red. That's the that's the car. The one that was on the display that I took yep. a video of. Yep. So uh, it's a pretty big deal for that one to be there. I think that that's. That car itself specifically is probably close to, if I had to guess, it's over a few hundred thousand dollars, I would think. I wouldn't be shocked for the thing to go for a million bucks, being the very first one. Seems insane, but... That seems insane to me. You know, it's on a stock VW chassis, and uh, the thing went all the way to Baja, Mexico. What is with the oxygen tanks? What was the purpose of those? Those were extra fuel. Oh, that's actually gasoline. Those are all extra okay. fuel tanks. Yeah, so they put a they put a fuel tank in the front, two on the side, and then the other tank that was there. So they tried to calc their mile an hour and how much fuel they were going to get. And uh, and when they sat down, you hear it in the podcast in that episode with Bruce Meyer. But you'll uh, you'll be able to get some of that information. But there was tons of stuff in the off road booth. Couple a couple Manxes, um, a couple. There was a rabbit too. The rabbit was in. Oh, that rabbit was clean. It was in shaved looks, engine bay. Yeah, it looks like the name of the particular place that it was in was. I'm getting it up here in just a second. It's Wave Wave Track, which is Wave Track Differentials, was the name of it. So that was where this super super clean early rabbit was. And I mean that thing was it had seventies like it done really well. Yeah, it was a swallow. It was a swallowtail from way at wave track differentials, and like the whole engine bay was smooth. I don't know water pumper motors, but it had a full chromed super dope water pumper motor. I mean the thing was just it was decked out front to back, man, and uh, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty slick. So. Yeah, what other VWs did you see? We we didn't see the double cab that was in for the Hyphonics booth. There was a single cab out in the parking lot. Yeah, the single cab like, was I think there. It was Hawaiian, but I think it was there for Impy. It said some kind of something or other surf shop on the, on the door. door. Yeah. So um, I got a shot of that. That's in the video too that I posted on on YouTube. Um, other. I can't think of any more. I think we covered them. Is it all of them? I don't think it is. I think there's more. There's, I mean, there, there's, there's probably some more that slipped through that we're not aware of. Definitely no shortage of um, Porsches there too. The Porsches were super clean. There's a lot of OBS Chevy stuff there. There's too much stuff. Like if you're me, I'm into multiple yeah. different types of cars, and I was just I was going crazy. The, That's also know, the great thing about it is it's not one specific car. It's I don't care what you're into, you're going to yeah. find it there. It's awesome. It's there. I mean, there was yeah. uh, there was a lot of EV stuff out there this time. Heck there yeah. Was, there you go. That EV thing. There was an EV thing. Um, there was an EV C10. Yep. There was an EV Bronco. Mm-hmm. There was all, I, and they were done to a very nice level. A lot of those ones, they had a, they had a very, uh, they had a specific section in one of the halls 
for all the EV cars. They even had the EV West land speed, like a long rail, like it looks like a like a Bonneville car that was yeah. there, and that was electric as well. No, they they had a big section for electric vehicles, and, and a lot of them were future. powered by it's the future guys by EV West uh, EV West drivetrain. So there was tons of. I mean, you know, for this year, like I, I think you're right, man. I think this year there was probably more Volkswagens there than I've ever seen. Period. Than, than there have been, which is pretty cool because I like seeing VWs there. I like seeing a little bit of everything there. But you know, I went there for multiple purposes because I've got you know from anywhere from my street cars to whatever else I got. I'm always looking for something there. Um, what's some of the coolest stuff that you saw there, George? Anything particular that you saw that you really enjoyed? Nothing that's actually standing out to me. I, <clears throat> unfortunately, nothing was like super, oh, like, oh, look at that. I need to have that kind of deal. I re- I even went and walked through the new product area. Mm-hmm. Like they have a specific area you can walk through, like what's being premiered at this SEMA. And there was nothing too, like, too crazy that, that really sticks out to me, unfortunately. Or maybe I just didn't pay attention because we're doing this mad dash to make it through in one day. So that it should take at least four days to go through. Yeah, that's a lot. of. I mean, it's... it's, it's 18 thousand steps that day <laughs> yeah it's it's so much walking that it's uh it's good for you it's not that much walk is not good for anybody it'll kill you like it it's just it'll beat the crap out of you i tell you what's cool is that tesla tunnel we took there was it yeah we did That's do awesome. the tesla tunnel so the, underneath the las vegas convention center every time they have a convention they've got a tesla track underneath t- a tunnel the boring company built right a tunnel system underneath it yeah the bo- i think it's a boring company boring group has uh a 0.8 mile tunnel underneath the Las Vegas Convention Which Center. Which is a godsend because if you've ever been there, those convention halls are giant and there's five of them. Yeah. And when you need to get from the new West Hall all the way to the South Hall, that's a walk. You're going to, you, that, that, that's going to be a trek. Yeah. Not to mention up and down stairs and escalators and everything like that to cross over streets and whatnot. And that little tunnel takes you right to where you need to go in a Tesla. Super comfortable. Yeah, and I've got some video footage that we'll post about that. But it was pretty cool because the, the, the tunnel is just barely, you know, it might be a 10-foot diameter tunnel. Mm-hmm. And you come hauling down there, and the perception of how fast it's going, it seems like you're oh, going a lot faster than you are. way. But it's it's a lot of, uh, it saved you a ton of steps. But it was pretty cool to go down. You kind of go downstairs uh, and get on this platform. And then they just have, I talked to the gal, they had 70 Teslas in there looping around underneath Constantly. the convention center one-way traffic yeah picking people up at different spaces like if they drop some off here that one would be available to take more two more people or the cases but really efficient we were we never waited in line for a long period of time which is nice and actually if you really wanted to you could have them loop you around the whole thing i had a friend yeah. of mine that was driving one uh, and um I, you know we, we we're like we missed it by literally like five minutes and it and and to catch one of 70 think how lucky we were like we're standing in line and he was in the next row yeah. over but he had people that weren't getting out so no he, he actually came to ours yeah but had had we have been a group one. of one right we could you got to roll with them but yeah because what i should have done is just rolled with him picked hey, you up but if side. you're a group of one you're not a group but my <laughs> but my, my george is all crying like no bro i'm like hey i'll just yeah, hop in with I him said, please don't around. leave me bill i'm scared and i said george you'd be okay without me no yeah that's what happened so exactly i started crying like a child so that was on day one when well the first time we went the first day that we went i had george drop us off or i had somebody from my office drop us off down there at the convention center and uh and then we went a second we went a second day on Mm -hmm. friday afternoon so the first day we went i think was wednesday yeah and went back again on tuesday but 
There's so much stuff Friday. to get. One of the exciting things that we ran across was the um, the jug of the chemical. What's, <laughs> what's, what's the vapor evapor rust? Evapor rust. Evapor rust. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. So for those of you who've never been to SEMA, these people bring full displays. And those full displays usually have to leave as well. So sometimes you can score some deals on these things. So as Bill and I are exiting the facility, we stop by and Bill's like, oh, this is that stuff I heard about. And he gets chatting the guy up. And the guy's like, you want two gallons? Yeah. And I said, what do we got to do for the two gallons? He goes, take them. Yeah. He's like, I can't. I don't want to have to take them with me. So that actually worked out super well. Well, he said you guys can test it. So it's about 16. looks like it's about 16 bucks a gallon. Let me see how much it is a gallon. Holy moly. We walked away with $32 worth of product. <laughs> Well, that was 20, $3.99. 20 bucks a gallon, but it's what? pretty. $40 now. <laughs> but what's funny is I just recently I just recently saw it online somewhere. Somebody took some rust off something, they just dunked it in this bucket. And then I'm like, I thought, oh man, what is that stuff? Because I have this stuff that I'm working on. I, I'm, we're actually going to test it today because I have an original empty wheel that I picked up from somebody. And it had like, it's chrome, but it's got some pitting on it. And so I'm going to put a little bit in that container. And this stuff's supposed to be, because I talked to the guy, we talked to the chemist that did it. And this guy for sure was a chemist. He for was sure. he was not acting. And uh, he ended up, he, he said that there's something with the pH levels, how it works. And it just pulls the rust off. Um, and I the last thing I tried to clean that had rust on it is uh, some tool parts and pieces and sockets and stuff that I had that I got all rusty because I left them in a toolbox that I left outside. It was a plastic craftsman toolbox. And I thought... I figured, ah, water's not really going to get in. Well, it gets in from those top little oh, handle yeah. holes, and it rusted a bunch of tools. So I'm going to dump a bunch of tools in there. But he says you just basically take the stuff, you uh, put your tools in it, and sometimes it'll be an hour, sometimes it'll be overnight. And then what it ends up doing, it'll it'll, it'll just take the rust right off that stuff. So I'm pretty excited to test some of this stuff out. So we'll do a little review. I'll do a little time lapse on it and show you guys what's up. Uh, but I'm stoked because – the last time I was trying to clean this horn button and the and the back ring for it is like I put it in a tumbler and besides having to listen to that tumbler for 45 minutes when I got it out, it's far from perfect. So yeah. uh, hopefully this stuff will get a little bit of stuff out. And I started thinking, how could I take a steering wheel, a dish steering wheel, and pour it in there so that it'll... Maybe put it in a pan and then just put some saran wrap <laughs> over the top of it so it doesn't evaporate out of it. Well, no, I just got to figure out... because saying, Because the steering wheel is dished. I'm just trying to think like if I had something wedged, I could put it in where it would just have the... Yeah, you know. you're going to put in a pot, steering wheel facing up, angle part going into it, and you fill it up to that point. Right. You're just not going to be able to get that last little bit. You'll have to hand polish that stuff off. But I'm excited to see how this stuff works because that's that to me is like seems like it's going to save so much time. Especially yeah. like I've got a bunch of the Type 34 stuff that's got a lot of surface rust and things on there. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to throw one of those in there, but it's a pot metal window window frames, and I got extra ones. But it should be pretty interesting to see it what it mess does. With it. Because usually what happens is even yeah, in the chroming metal. process, there's pores in the chrome. And what's happening is something will get through the chrome and it'll cause it to rust on the inside. So a lot of times, like when we steel wool something to restore it, all we're doing is scraping the rust off that came through the pores of the chrome. So if yours is chrome but pitted, you should be able to soak it and hopefully it removes all of it and all that's left is the good chrome behind. If it didn't actually bubble the chrome, that's yeah. the difference when it separates it from the actual metal itself. Yeah, and not just surface rust. We'll see. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to testing it out and seeing what the results are. So that'll be one thing that we did. So we ended up scoring a couple free gallons of that. Guy's like, so here's two schmoes schlepping out a <laughs> gallon jug each of this evapor rust. People are looking at us like a bunch of idiots. But the dude's like, hey, you want you guys want a jug? Just take them. I was like, I'll take it. I said, George, grab you a jug too. So we grabbed those. 
And then I picked up some straps. Uh, they, I, I have these ratchet straps that are made of seatbelt material. And I don't, off the top of my head, I don't recall the name of the company no, no. that does it. But they're, they're seatbelt straps. See if I can Google them real quick. They're, they're made of seatbelt material. And this company, their main thing that they do is make seatbelts. And, and since they make seatbelts, they have a better retraction system. So as you pull this thing out, it'll extend up to six feet. And when you release the tension or, or you know, it'll ratchet strap. But then when you go to release the tension, it actually pulls it in like a seatbelt. So you right. have this big plastic contraption instead of just like your regular strap with the with the big handle that cranks on it yeah but they're so, rated for th- each strap was rated for 3500 pounds which is pretty impressive that's the big car you're strapping down and the nice thing is i've used these before i have a first i have a first gen of these straps and uh they had this release button inside and this thing would freaking pinch the inside of your hand i got plenty of blood blisters for those but i really like now. i really better. like the straps so they're uh, Cargo Master. Well, this, this looks like a different one, but I've got them. I've, I've got them out here, and I'll get I'll, and I'll do a little review on those for you guys too. Because the cool thing about these straps is these particular straps don't have. There's no there's no extra line to tie up that's going to be flapping on your trailer. There's nothing to wind up when you're done doing it. It all coils up inside the housing, and it's super slick. And they're not they're not super expensive. Well, they're they're fairly pricey, but a little pricey. Um, but the nice thing about them is they're, they've got a lot of strength. They're all compact. They're super easy to use and, uh, they fold away and you could put two under the seat in your car and they would be, take up no space at all. They've got two designs. They've got two with a double S hook on them or where it hooks to like a D ring or something, or they also make them to where it bolts down in the, in the cargo bed or in the, in the, on the side of the trailer or on the floor of the trailer. So that it's all self-contained unit. You need to strap. You put the release. You pull it out, and then you just start ratcheting it down. So it's a pretty slick setup. I was glad I was able to snag up a couple pairs of those because I've had mine for like five or six years, and they're probably my favorite strap to use just because there's there's no extra bull crap. You know, I don't have the extra strap and all that stuff. So uh, I'll I'll tag some of those on there that uh, that what we used uh, some of the stuff that we picked up, but. There was also some uh, some other stuff that that uh, that we met about, but there's lots of there's there's so much innovative stuff that you see. It's hard to really comprehend everything that you're seeing. You don't know yeah. what to take a picture of and what not to take a picture of. And yeah, second day and take one picture. I mean, we'd even gone there. So we we so we there was one time. Well, we wadded up two hours there. There was a we're there with our buddy Eric Black. Shout out to my boy Eric Black with Sunkiss Graphics. He does all my flyers and all His that boy, stuff. Boy Zach and Dylan. His boy Zach and Dylan, Zach and Dylan Black, the Blacks, the Blacks, the Blacks. So we're there, and they're talking about these guys rap. Like that's what they do. They rap cars, rap. Not like MCs, stuff. they rap no. cars. And so <laughs> I'm walking by. All of a sudden, George and everybody, like the local VW crew, stops in front of this this vinyl booth, and they're like, "Oh man, these guys are gonna stand in line to wrap this hood because whoever wraps this BMW hood in the fastest they, time wins a thousand They have bucks. a hood there. Go ahead, take they, it over. They George. offer the vinyl. First place was a thousand dollars for wrapping it in a, in the fastest time. Second place was five hundred. Third was two fifty. These kids are professional rappers. They figured they could get it beat. I'm saying conspiracy theorists. <laughs> the time they posted was seven minutes and fifty five seconds. And when their rep came and did it, Hold the, the teacher she you're moving knock too it fast. Out. You're a horrible stereotype. Huh? So we go and look at this thing, and we're standing there. And then we find out there's like two or three people in line. So we're like, we're gonna go get something to eat. We leave to get something to eat, 
And then we go into the, in, in the, like, we go to get ripped off in the food hall. And we go in there and decide we get this terrible chicken sandwich from this freaking roost garbage. George trying Ruse. to enjoy some pizza. Horrible. Anyway, we're sitting there and I'm talking to the boys, the, the, uh, the Zach and Dylan. And they're like, man, we could wrap the thing so fast. We're going to make so much money. Like, we're going to take that thousand bucks. No big deal. I'm like, all right, cool, man. I'll just stick around. I had called somebody to come pick me up. And I said, no, I'll stick around with you guys and watch. Two hours later. Yeah. Like, there was three people in line. I'm watching these people struggle with wrapping this. So I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't really want to walk around because I'm beat. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, I'm standing here looking at this. And I'm thinking, all right, well, let, I, you know, these. And you're watching people wrap something. And it's just a pure struggle. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, I'm glad that's not my job. Yeah. And so... These people, I think we had to wait for some chick, and then another dude, and then another dude, and then both Zach. And by the time Zach and his brother Dylan got up there to wrap this hood to try to win this thousand dollars, I was like, "I'm going, man. I'll see you guys later." And sure enough, bro, they did not break the record. These they guys didn't. were talking some game, game, and they were like, "Yo, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap this hood." Eric Black told him it was a, a lesson in humility. Like, yeah. you need to be a little more humble, like because you were talking a big game, and when you got up there, you couldn't you couldn't pull it off. So it's always better to not talk so much big game, and then. You don't look like an idiot when you don't do it in a speedy time. Yeah, and you know, speaking of wraps, like wraps are coming, especially clear bra and stuff like that. Which the blacks, the uh, Zach and Dylan on the quicksand bus, the whole front of that is put in a very new clear bar wrap, and the install is perfect. Like they did an absolutely beautiful job. I left the emblem on already just because it was a little difficult to take off, but they did a, a sick job on that. So they do beautiful work. Their wrapping is very high level. Just time frame and material they're using is what gave them the problem on that one. So my point of bringing that up is that with new technology that's out now, like you spend all this money on a paint job and you can wrap the front of your car and keep it from getting chipped. The technology they have with these clear bras now is like the clear bra, you'll scratch the clear bra. Then you heat it and the scratches go away. I mean, it's crazy technology. And probably after we get the bus painted, I'm going to have the front the front of the bus wrapped again because that was the only damage really was on my bus yeah. was on the front of it, and that was just from, from driving, you know? And I mean, Sunkiss Graphics is actually going to start making a templated kit for buses for yeah. that very reason. Now, they'd be installing it. They don't want to give it to the average Joe to install it because if you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to ruin everything, you know? Yeah. And it can actually pull your paint off if your paint does not have, like, factory adhesion, mm-hmm. meaning if it was done aftermarket, there's a good chance if you pull it off, that it's going to take the paint. For instance, Cliff Usher, when he rear-ended Eric Black and got the, his nose fixed, when they peeled the clear bra off, it took his paint off with it. And that was done by a reputable body shop. There's going to be a war of adhesion. Somebody's going to lose that one. I think there's there's lots of technology that a lot of the industry takes for granted that moves right over into the VW aftermarket that a lot of people aren't doing. And, and part of our purpose of going to the CME show today was try to maybe open some eyes to the VW community of where some things are there because you have Impy who's the 800 pound gorilla and they have everything and make everything. And it's debatable back and forth, whether it's good, not good or whatever the case is, but they're the guy and everything else is kind of hand built for everything. So, um, or one-off shops and things to that extent, but there's a lot of people out there that, currently manufacture things and create things that are so close to being usable in the VW scene, but need a little bit of help, which is one of the meetings that we had with somebody about doing something that would be more, uh, more friendly for the VW environment. I'm looking forward to kind of launching that stuff and, and helping get that stuff, uh, uh, you know, broaden their market a little bit, you know? 
Yeah. But overall, I think SEMA had a ton of stuff. The car this year, if you have to pick a car that was the car of the show, what is the car of the show that you saw more than anything? You know, usually like the Bronco. Everywhere, yeah, the Bronco, the new Bronco was yeah was quite a few places. Everybody had a Bronco in their booth, and yeah. the Overland area, and the in, in the the wheel and tire area, because yeah. it was some new the new one. Yeah, so the, not many new cars have come out in the last year, obviously. Yeah, because so of the situation. And I'm wondering how many of those Broncos were purchased and how many were given to manufacturers to demo, because I think probably a good portion of them were were new ones. I mean, I know airlift, not airlift, but. Um, Who's the company went out of business last year? And now they're back in business again. Acuair. Acuair. That's right. Acuair had a Bronco on bags in their booth. Bags were on freaking everything. Everything. Can Ams well, for Primary Peak well, sakes. I don't but get those that. aren't bags. Those are can overs, right? Those those are like those. Kelderman made a lift kit for a Can Am, and I've got a little video of that I can shoot out there. But I mean, a Razor Can Am. Uh, 10 inches or whatever the case That's is ridiculous and I, and I and i'm just kind of hitting everybody up like okay so what what's the cost of this you know i'm talking to this guy and and i said well what's the cost to put this air can system and the way that the system works is you leave your shock in place and this bag takes the place of the spring which the holds the spring. suspension right of the the weight quilt spring holding adjusting the ride height and uh I said, what's the cost of suspension? And he said, about $6,500. And I thought... To just what the advantage is. That's what I want to know. Why? Well, I think the, the advantage is the minute tunability, I think. And ground clearance. Like, you can tune it, you know. And in the aftermarket side-by-side world, I mean, there's guys that are spending... You know, you, you take your stuff to shock therapy. You're going to... I think it's 3500 bucks, 3500 to $5,000 so to send your shocks there. Have your shocks respringed and revalved and sent back to you that's insane and it's supposedly one of those things where like oh my god you know everybody but yours i've driven in this factory oh yeah bone stock the thing eats up road like nothing yeah. why, why you mess well and they they say like the shock therapy one like takes it to a whole other level where it's like super plush and cush and you know so i don't know i mean it's, it's a lot of money there's a lot of money out in the industry but it, i keep thinking to myself man it's a lot of money but you know anytime you do anything and you're looking at a retail standpoint i mean from from a true airbag system for a four coil car, you're talking seven thousand dollars to do a set of bags on a car. I mean, yeah, everybody on the phone would be like, I can do it in my garage for twelve hundred yeah, bucks. But can. to buy a turnkey setup that functions, works properly, the labor that goes in, I mean, it's, you're you're upwards of five thousand dollars, which that's a lot of scratch, man. Not a lot of people. I mean, in in the VW world, there's not a lot of people looking to throw. But th- in the same respect, you buy a Wagons West yeah. suspension for your. If you buy the bet, the, the the top level bag setup from Nate, how much are you going to be? Front I think it's like fourteen, fourteen thousand dollars for the beam, for everything in the back, everything. Yeah, how's that possible? Yeah, it just seems so. That just seems so crazy. You know, what I, I, mean? I could be incorrect about that. I know that's what he used to have it listed for, <coughs> but also when I spoke to Nate, he had it listed for that because he was almost trying to deter people from getting because the amount of work it was. But with his new equipment, he may have he may have lowered it. I don't know. Because I was like, holy smokes, that's expensive, bro. And, and he gave me a different price for the rear suspension on James Pulley's bus I did. It's Nate's Wagons West air ride, and it came out beautifully. Yeah, there's just uh, – there, there's – there's a lot of a lot of different ways you can go with that stuff, but we'll see. I was really surprised at how much side by side stuff was there, considering it's it's a massive it's not a street market. legal vehicle. It's a massive it's a massive market. Yeah. I mean, these guys guys that I know that have side by sides are buying side by sides for thirty 
thirty plus thousand. thirty plus thousand dollars and, and then putting dumping. another fifteen to twenty thousand. You're fifty thousand dollars. Those something. tractor tire ones. What's that all about? You're right. That's something from the south, bro. Don't it, hate it. Literally, like a, a a two three foot wheel. Yeah. Like it was giant. They're tractor. They're taller than that. Four foot wheels probably. Yeah. And they almost have like a reduction gearbox that offsets where their initial hub is, and then throws it to the center of this wheel. So this thing is like you would need a ladder to get inside of it. Yeah, it's, it's silly. That's swamp. That's swamp buggy stuff. That's what they are. They're swamp buggy stuff, yeah. and they have those reduction gear boxes and all that. So there's, it takes all kinds, man, and they're uh, they're all over. So I don't know. I think uh, I think there's so much. Your head just starts spinning. You get to the sea machine. You're thinking like, oh, that's cool. And then you know. And then I get down down to the basics when I'm talking to our guy from uh, Ztronics, and I, and he's an electrical engineer. And I said. And, and he designed and engineered all his stuff. And I just thought to him, I said to him, well, how come we just can't get like, how come nobody will make this? And he's like, ah, you could make it, but you know, it's so much work and it's so hard for, you know, cause he makes stuff for mega squirt people. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. And there's so many parameters to fuel injection. Cause I just thought it just makes me crazy. Like, why can't you like, and I know you can, you can get the mega squirt brain and mm-hmm. do your own stuff, but it's like, you open up the software from Megasquirt, and you got to spend three hours doing research, or you're like a computer nerd, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, I program on my own. And it's like he, he and I even talked about, like, there's no interface. It just makes it simple. Yeah. It's just a whole process just to program it. But I guess if you're super focused on into it, but everything comes back to time or money. And how much time do you want to spend studying the EFI maps and all this business? Or how much money are you going to spend to have somebody do it for you? Right. So and it could be cheap. I don't know. It's just a bummer. I want every. You know, I th- I'm like a typical man. What comes down to it, I'm just a Volkswagen guy. I want everything for free and cheap, and uh, we want to be able to get the most. <laughs> we want to get the most we can for our dollar. But there's it's just there, there's so many different things out there. And, and for me, my thing. What, what I didn't see this year, I didn't see ride control out there this year, which was the wiring setup. I want to use my split window, which was the the remote uh, the Bluetooth. It's a CAN bus system. The Bluetooth, the Bluetooth relay box. I don't think it's a CAN bus system. I think it's a it's a it's a it's a control box that's controlled by Bluetooth. Oh, you're talking about a different one. Okay, you're not talking about the old ISIS. No, nah, that one. was the one that was ISIS. They had their name ISIS, ISIS. and they came through a na- like uh oh <laughs> name change, ISIS no bueno. We're getting a lot of hate mail, guys, on our email. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, um, I think that's that. That about wraps up the uh, SEMA stuff. We don't. We didn't really hang out with. Uh, we were supposed to connect with a couple guys after work. It just didn't map out. So uh, I'm looking forward to next year, and maybe next year we'll set something up where we have something going on one of the weeknights here, like Wednesday or Thursday, just to get together over here at the house yeah. and have some people come by and check. It, you know, just kind of go to the show and then hang out, do some VW talk, and, and then hang out. But I'm looking forward for sure to uh the next event we have coming up that i know of well i'm trying to go to this there's this uh i know baja society has some uh thing december 18th they got going on dino's get down next week and we're rolling too yeah we're gonna roll out to dino's get down mm-hmm. so there'll probably be a couple of listeners that'll be out there as well so we'll cruise out to there to check that out goldie's taking a maiden voyage first time i'm taking on the road mm. open roads I'm gonna take a dodge, bro. Yeah, you're gonna take a dodge. I'm all right there. So we'll see. We'll see. I I haven't check with the wife. See if I go yet. But yeah. I think I'm going regardless. I'm I'm rolling out. Are to you meet doing Sean a McClellan. day trip there and back? No, I'm gonna spend the night at Sean's oh, house. Sean bro. has a house, dude. I'm gonna oh, stay there. Yeah, no, bro. No, oh, no. When are you going? I'm gonna go Friday. Be there Saturday for the show, 
and then come back. Yeah, Friday night. The, well, they used to have the, the get down used to take place Friday, Friday night before the the good guy show. It was everybody met up. They had the big show Friday night, and then Saturday they all rolled out to the good guy show in the morning. Free show. It's crazy. Yeah, they must make their money on merch or something like it's that. It's a like, monster. I don't know. I, he's just it's a big a, venue. He, he, I think I think he just does it just to do it. I mean, he sells hey, a ton of merch there and stuff. Yeah. But you know, hey, I know all about doing shows and not making no money with them. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're an expert. At it. It's all about creating the event. You know, and it's yeah. and it's a cool event. I give the people something to do. I went to the get down in 2017. I think was the first get down that I went to, and then no, I went to the one year before. So I went to one maybe 16, and then. 17 and i haven't been for a couple years is so. it still the same weekend as the good guy show no, i went last year too I, last year i think I last think, year you went i'm almost I, positive i think you went. i think Andrew, you did a buddy trip yeah you i think, saw buddy too no yeah because i saw buddy but i'm trying to think who went with me last year somebody went with me last I, I can't remember who went with me last year but uh hmm. i ran in there last year and they moved it to a new location like the, it's, it's almost like they're having it at a town square mm-hmm. now it used to be at dino's so Dean owns appliance repair shop and it used to be at his appliance repair shop. And it was like, he had like a two and a half acre lot next door to his place was all dirt lot. And they had the street where he's at. Then he had his parking lot. And then that thing got crazy. And the first time I rolled down there, I tried to be all inconspicuous. My 50 foot trailer parked yeah. across the street with a, with a, uh, with a square body, um, square body, two wheel drive blazer and a square body step side that I had for sale. So uh, I sold both of those to the same guy and then uh, I was going down there to try to sell them at the good oh, guy That was a while show. ago. Those were Brent Miller's cars. That uh, wasn't last year. That's why I said I went 17 and 18. Okay. That was 2018 when I went. Because 19, I don't think they had it because of COVID. And then, uh, yeah, I went 2020. So I went I went uh, last year, last November, I went down there. But they moved it to like a town square event. So it's just in this big, huge mall. And there had to be a 1,000 trucks there. It was gigantic. So anyway... Uh, well, we're looking to go to that Baja Society thing. I was talking Volkswagens. George just T-boned right in her. T-boned with the Chevy talk. Baja Society. Mm. Yeah, Baja Society's having something going that, on. What you, <laughs> you need air cleaners for that. You know, I brought air cleaners for sissies, bro. So uh, anyway, we'll be doing that. And then don't forget Grand National Roaster Show coming up this year. We'll get more details on it. And I may do a podcast about the Grand National Roaster Show coming up just to talk about some of the things that they're going to be doing and what to expect for the 2022 Grand National Roaster Show. I will be down there with Future Shock, and I'll be down there with uh, Chop Rot. And if anybody wants to help get stuff set up, uh, I'm always taking volunteers. You might earn yourself a free T-shirt, a few free Let's Talk Up shirt. But uh, I'm looking forward to having both those cars at the show next year. And uh, until next week, guys, I don't think anything else we need to leave them with, George. Anything else? See you the show. Come to it. Next yeah. year. If you guys come to the same show next year, hit us up. Let us know in advance. We get enough people coming out of it. VW people will, will actually create an event, an after SEMA event, one of the days of the week, just to get together, barbecue or something at my house, and uh, just a big VW hangout. So I think that's it, guys. Uh, that's your SEMA wrap up. And until next week, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house.